as you look around this morning, or as I walk around this morning, and you can see your face in this mirror, I want everybody to do that. Maybe I need to get it up here for some of you, way in the back. But if you see your face this way, all right, see your face as I go around? I'm doing this for a reason. It has nothing to do with my message today. (laughs) But I wanted you to see yourself in the mirror because I really believe that you have just seen the only hope for America. It's Christians that know what they believe and why they believe it. And then stand for that and act accordingly. This morning we're going to be talking about mirrors. That's the other reason why I brought this today. Did you know that the scriptures tell us that we are God's mirrors? Suppose this morning you found yourself on a desert island. Little hope of rescue. All by yourself. It kind of reminds me of a movie that was out not too long ago about this fellow on an island and he had a volleyball. You remember that? His name was what? Tom Hanks. And the title of the movie? Castaway. Right. So that's you this morning. You're on this island. You don't have a, ba- you don't have a volleyball. But you did, you, do, you did find a mirror. And you were able to use that mirror and you were rescued. Wouldn't that be a great day? Wouldn't that be a, a, a great f- feeling? Here's a crazy thought. What if the mirror resists and pushed its own agenda? And instead of sending an SOS, it sent a, an LAM. Look at me. You see, that's crazy. I agree. Only one thing crazier. Maybe it was an insecure mirror. And it got thinking, you know, what if I blow it? What if I send a dot instead of a dash or vice versa? Self-doubt could paralyze the mirror. So could self-pity. I've been crammed down in this sack so long and carried around this island and bumped around and and for years and years, who knows how long, and now you want to pull me out into the bright sunlight and ask me to do this great feat just so that you can be saved? Forget it. Good things that mirrors don't have a mind of their own. But we do. Unfortunately. And as I mentioned to you already this morning, whether you've ever realized it before or not, God says that every single one of us, there are no exceptions. If you know him as your Savior this morning, you are his mirror. You reduce the job description down to one phrase for you and I as Christians, and it is this, reflect God's glory. So my question to myself as well to every one of you this morning is, how well are you doing reflecting his glory? I'm going to get in trouble now because 
Sheila said, don't mention her. She wakes me up at 5.30 this morning and says, we need to pray for you for the message today. God's given me a great helpmate, and I thank him for that. But it's prayer and spending time with him, as we'll see this morning, that enables us to reflect his glory to a world that desperately needs what we have found. That's God's plan. And every single one of us can be included in that plan if we choose. So while mirrors don't have an agenda, sometimes we do. Our verse through the series of, that we've been looking at over the past few weeks is 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Again, it reads, and we with unveiled faces, watch this now, reflecting as in a mirror the brightness of the Lord. We all grow brighter as what? as we are turned into the image that we reflect. So I would say again this morning to you that you and I are as much like Jesus Christ today as we've chosen to be. Some of us portray him more, or maybe the word should be better, than others. Why? Because we put more effort into it. Reflect God's glory. When are, we to, when are we to reflect God's glory? On the ball field, not always easy. On the golf course, again, not always easy. People ask me from time to time, do you golf? I said, no, you don't want me to golf. Uh, I, I, I'm a lefty, but when I hit the ball, it just takes off. Nice, but then it goes one way or the other, and I'm out in the weeds looking for it. I lose so many balls. It's just not worth it. I get so frustrated. I say, am I supposed to be having fun here? <laughs> when are we to, f- to reflect God's glory? When great disappointment comes. When we receive bad news. When we have to deal with that disgruntled customer or church member. When we have a bad day at the office or at school, when somebody wrecks into, why does it always seem that they wreck into the new car? Or worse yet, you wreck into them. When are we to reflect God's glory? When we don't get the promotion that we should have gotten. Or when your mother-in-law is coming for a meal again. Sheila told me not to do that one, but I did it anyhow. Now I'm really in trouble. (laughs) Listen, folks, here's the key. (laughs) Focusing on Jesus, for he changes who? Me. You got it? It is both contemplation and refraction. Beholding and reflecting. Those are the two key words this morning. Beholding and reflecting. And the amount of beholding I do enables me to reflect more of him. Little beholding, little reflecting. You got it? So we're, we're to be mirrors and we are to brightly reflect. 
Reflect what? The glory of God. And as we just were reminded, when are we to do that? Anytime, all of the time, no matter what we're doing. Paul paralyzes, paralyzes, oh brother, Paul parallels the Christian experience to the Mount Sinai experience of Moses. Lord, Lord knows how to keep me humble, doesn't he? <laughs> After seeing the glory of God on Moses' face, the reflection, as we know the story, when he came down off of the mountain, the people not having sunglasses, as you and I do, were unable to look upon him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7 reminds us of that. Moses' face was so bright, they could not look at him. Here it is this morning. Moses, beholding God, couldn't help but reflect him. And the same is true in your life and mine. What do we learn from this? Beholding leads to becoming. Becoming like, more like Jesus. Beholding also leads to reflecting. And these two things, becoming more like Jesus and then reflecting Jesus to a world that's looking for what we have, remember, is the job of every single child of God. Sometimes we think it's just for those that are in quote-unquote full-time Christian work. But if you know Christ as your Savior today, that's your privilege as well as responsibility. But we can't reflect him. People will never see Jesus in us without us spending time with him. Hopefully, you're not one that would think, well, I'll just go to church on Sunday morning for 45 minutes because that's what I've always done or that's because I know that's what I'm supposed to do and think that you're going to make it in your Christian life because you won't. No one can. That's like eating one meal a week. We eat a lot more than that physically, don't we? And we need to do so spiritually as well. There's nothing as exciting as getting into the Word of God on a regular basis, and you say, well, I don't know, I don't understand the Scriptures. Listen, you could be a brand new Christian feeling that you don't understand the Scriptures, or an older Christian, either one. Please recognize that the one that wrote this book now lives in you, and if you pray, Lord, give me something today that'll spur me on, give me something today that will really help me in my Christian life, don't you think he wants to do that? And how exciting when God gives something directly to you. I get much more excited when he does that than if I hear something that's really good or new when somebody's preaching. The best teacher we have not to negate the importance of gathering together and worshiping and preaching, but the best teacher we have lives in us, and that is the Holy Spirit. He wants to spend as much time with you as you will spend with him. Got it? Isn't that great? The God of the universe, I mean, think how busy he is dealing with all, every person on the earth at one time, and yet he says, you come anytime, as much as you want. I'm here. I'm available. I will meet with you. 
Beholding leads to becoming. And beholding leads to reflecting. Did Paul mean that beholding as in a mirror or reflecting like in a, in a mirror? It was both. Beholding means to observe. If you look up the word, behold, it means to observe, to contemplate, to study. It's not just a, well, you know, I got to have my quiet time today. I got to have my devotions. And let's see, I read through that and that's good. I'm, I'm done. I can go on and do whatever I need to do today. Sometimes we fall into that trap as well, don't we? It becomes a routine and that's about all. A habit. Stay there until God gives you something. Okay? Do that. Because he wants to give you something fresh to carry you through that day. Beholding means to observe. Beholding means to contemplate. Beholding means to study. And what does that take? It takes effort. It takes time on your behalf. And then it also means to reflect. And then we become the mirror. It's like the artist painting is a reflection of what they're trying to portray or to say. And that's what we become in the hands of God. So could it be that the Holy Spirit intentionally selected a verb that would remind us to do both? Contemplate, reflect. Spend time with, reflect. And the answer to that is definitely yes. To behold God so intimately that we cannot help reflect him. I remember when I was in college in the 70s, it was a big thing for churches to have a night where anybody that wanted to come out and go visiting would do so. It was like trying to get people to work in the nursery. Very few did so. And then a lot of pastors would try to make us feel guilty because we didn't come. I'm talking about an everyday group of people that are so excited about Jesus because they have spent time with him that you don't have to have a one night a week. Let's come and tell people about Jesus because you can't shut them up. They're doing it all the time. Do you see the difference? All of us have had opportunity to share Jesus with people this week. Sometimes we're just too busy to even notice who God throws in our path. I, can, I know there have been some times in my life when at the end of the day and reflecting upon the day, I've realized that I've missed an opportunity to share with someone. I never even gave it a thought. When we pray, God, use me, please recognize that that is a dangerous prayer. And please get ready for him to do so because that's exactly what he wants to do. 
use you. You say, God couldn't use me. Don't believe that lie. That's from the enemy. Because God will use anyone that makes themselves available to him. It's beholding God so intently that we cannot help reflect him. Again, when people get excited about what God is doing, when people get excited about what God is sharing with them, you can't, it's hard to shut them up. The best way to grow a church yet today, and there's a lot of different ways to grow a church, is for the pastor to just plainly teach the word of God. The people take it to heart. They get excited about what God is doing in them, and you can't shut them out. And the automatic, watch this, when we're growing spiritually, we're going to grow numerically. It's every time. As we behold his glory, dare we pray like Moses that we would reflect it. May we put that first on our to-do list. Dare we hope to be mirrors in the hands of God, the reflection of him to a world that desperately needs him. The Bible says in the latter days it's going to be perilous times. I think we're in those days. What do you think? Perilous times. People have a lot of questions. The Bible also says always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. We need to be students of the word. We need to know what's going on in the world around us. We need to know what to share with people when they ask because people are becoming more open to the gospel as a result of that. May we be faithful. May we reflect, but we never will unless we spend time with him. So Andrew's on his way here. That's exciting to get a new pastor. So many of us were in favor of that when we met him and asked the questions that we had and um, were really pleased with the answers that he gave and meeting him and his wife and it's just exciting but please don't fall in the trap that a lot of churches fall into that we bring the pastor on to grow the church that is not the pastor's job that's your job every single one of us we are this morning as strong as our weakest link is that you it's not the pastor's job to build the church he's simply to expound and teach the scriptures and then as we hear those things and begin to practice those things we become excited and as i've already said 
When you get a group of people that are excited about Jesus, things begin to happen. And one of the things is, not only are they growing spiritually, but as a, watch this, natural result, not something that is worked up, a natural result, there is physical growth. That's always the case. This is your call. Cross point. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you could put anything besides 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it would be the one word that we're looking at this morning, reflect. Reflect. In your notes this morning, you'll see five things to remember. First of all, our message is all about him. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 is the verse we use for that. You don't light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand because it gives light to all. We have a message. We're not to hide it. We're to exhibit it boldly and brightly. And as we leave this auditorium today, let us remember that we enter our mission field. We're sending these people off to the mission field this week. How exciting! But please understand, every single one of us are missionaries right here, first of all. It is your privilege as well as responsibility to tell people about the Lord. Our salvation is all about him, number two. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth and believed or trusted, in Christ were sealed. Don't you love that word? We talked about that the last time I was here. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. What an exciting verse. You could preach three messages on that one verse. As we trust Christ as our Savior, we become sealed. We, we are protected. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the promise God gives to us. He is our guarantee of what? Of that which lies ahead of us, our inheritance. Listen, your forever life with Christ does not begin when you die and go to heaven. It's already begun when you trusted Christ as your Savior. And God wants you to experience everything that he has for you now. Don't wait. Our bodies are to reflect his glory. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit when you have what you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. What was that price? It was the shed blood of Christ upon Calvary. And it ends up by saying, so then glorify God through your body. I put in my notes that, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 talks about your bodies to reflect God's glory. And I put a slash there and put our faces are re to reflect God's glory too. 
Now, I know I've told you this little story before, but you're going to hear it again today because it's one of my favorites, and you can't do anything about it, all right? I don't see anybody pulling out anything. <laughs> um, come on, Grant, let's go. Okay. Um, I lived while in Virginia, about three miles away from where Thomas Jefferson grew up. A lot of history there in Virginia. And the story is told that he, as president, he was out riding with a group of men. And they came to a swollen stream. And there was a fellow standing there that had been out walking, and he was contemplating whether he should attempt crossing that stream because it was pretty high. So he said to one of the men, he just picked one out, said, would you be willing to give me a, a ride across, a lift across? And he said, sure. So he climbed up on the horse, and they carried them across, and he got to the other side, got off, thank you. Now, remember, this is before... TV and all the multimedia that we have today. And one of the men, not the president, piped up and he said, why did you ask the president if you could ride across on his horse instead of one of us? Surprised, he said, I didn't know it was the president. But what I do know is some people have yes faces and some people have no faces and he has a yes face. I want to have a yes face. How about you? Think about that. And all that that entails. Now, I'm not saying that we have to walk around with a smile on our face all the time. I'm always suspicious about those type of people. <laughs> Even the television evangelists that smile all the time. <laughs> but folks... If we are God's mirrors and we're always walking around down in the dumps, frowning and it seems like some people, if they smile, they're going to break into a million pieces or something. Our countenance ought to show forth what's on the inside. And that is only going to be what it ought to be as we spend time with Jesus, contemplate upon him, and then it is reflected through our face. When you walked in this room this morning, people didn't recognize you because of your elbow or your knees or your feet. They recognized you because of your face, and your face already has said something to many people today. What has it been? Our faces are important. I see a lot more smiling going on. That's great. I love it. It's good. Now it gets harder. Our struggles are all about him as well. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. How is our inner self being renewed day by day? Just what we've told us. Spending time in the Word. Thinking on the Word. That's what transforms us. Spending time 
with him. Struggles are going to come. Foolish is the Christian who thinks because now I'm a child of God, I'm not going to ever have any hard times. Because hard times are is part of life whether you're a Christian or not. And if I could carry that a little further this morning, sometimes we as Christians will have a harder time than those that don't have a that aren't saved when we take a stand for Christ. Don't lose heart when hard times come. Though our outer self is wasting away, I was reminded of that this week, just this week. I was reminded that I'm getting older. Not a pleasant thought. And someone said, what's well, better than the alternative? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Death is moving on to bigger and better things. Amen? For the Christian. You know, a couple weeks ago I, said, I was telling you about how to know you're growing older. I was sharing with Sheila this week. I had to get a new pillbox because I couldn't put them all in the pillbox that I had. <laughs> Is another reason to know why we're growing older. Struggles, part of life. It's important how we handle those struggles. And the last one, our successes are all about him as well. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. I might add another one. I was thinking about it this morning as I was hashing over the material. Even our failures show forth Christ. Some people handle failures better than they do success. Maybe that's because we have more failures. I don't know. But they just go along with life and they're, they're successful and, and, and they're the ones that everyone emulates and wants to be like and all of a sudden they get so successful that they just blow it. They couldn't handle it. Perhaps you know some people like that. I like Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks through Jesus Christ to God the Father. Whatever we do, whatever we say, even on the golf course when that ball goes off and wherever it ends up, you fill in the blanks there. Listen to it again, Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, and he says, whatever you say, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks through Jesus Christ to God the Father. So here it is again, folks. God is our source, right? He is the light. He sends the message. How about you and I? We are simply his mirrors to reflect that to a world that we live in. Listen, every generation is going to stand before God and give an account of how they did in sharing Christ with that generation. And I don't believe that 
And I think you will agree, we have not done a very good job of doing that in the day in which we live. The world is influencing the church more than the church is influencing the world. And you say, why is that? It's because you and I have not met, uh, set time aside every single day to meet with the King of Kings. And we're not excited about our Christian life like we should be. But as we keep our beak in the book, I love that phrase. And God continues to transform us into the image of Christ. The world is going to set up and take notice of that. Wouldn't it be great sometime this week that one of your co-workers walked up to you and said, I've been watching you. There's something different about you. I want what you have. That's God's plan. To use you. And as we leave this place this morning and we go our different ways, please recognize that every one of us are going to go to different places to influence those that God puts into our path. It's not about us. It's all about him. Amen? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, put yourself aside. Help others. Don't be obsessed with getting your own way. Listen, folks, that is the way to joy right there. So mirrors don't have their own agenda, but we do. We are to behold, focus on Jesus, contemplate, study him, and as a result of that, the reflection is something that we do that is normal. It's not worked up. Just as people could not stand to look at Moses' face, they will see a difference in us. One more time. The transforming prayer. God, cleanse me. God, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. God, use me. Our daily prayer. And then I usually stick on the end of that. And I've done this for years. Lord, put a smile on my face and a joy in my heart that I might communicate Jesus to a lost and dying world. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to begin praying that prayer. Father, forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. Why do we need to do that? Because you can't live the Christian life on your own. And, and then use me. And then watch out. Listen, if God's not using you this morning to influence those that are within your sphere, it's not because he doesn't want to. We don't have to sit around praying all day long, God, help me reflect you today. It's natural when we focus on Jesus. There's no big secret to the Christian life and to the success to becoming the kind of Christian that God wants you to be. That's it right there. And it's what's needed, as I started off this morning, it's what's needed in the world today for Christians to start acting like what they have become in Christ Jesus. 
for the world to see a group of people so dedicated to him that the top of my priority list today is spending time with him. And before my feet hit the floor, I'm praying that prayer, God, cleanse me. God, fill me afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit because I cannot live the Christian life and use me today. And then look out. People will see Jesus in you when you spend time with him. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what every child of God should desire? Listen, the mirror in the hands of the one on the island led to a rescue. Got it? As we contemplate and then reflect him May it lead to many more rescues. How about you? Are you willing to do what it takes so that others will see Jesus in you? May I remind you this morning as we finish up, a stunningly beautiful and extremely powerful creature fell when he made himself, rather than God, the object of his adoration. When he thought, it's all about me, Lucifer was the first to fall for that lie. It's all about me. As you leave here today, please remember, it's not about you. It's not about you. And remember this, you're a, you are a mirror. Your one goal in life, God tells us, ought to be to reflect him to a lost and dying world. Are you willing? That's all God's looking for. I took one speech class in high school, eighth grade. I hated it. I was made fun of. And I thought if I, and I was already a Christian, but if you would have said I was ever going to stand in front of people and speak, I would have laughed in your face. And I've told you the story that when I was in college, how I messed up the things that I would say on the platform and inviting people to our rust spout, bus route, and all of those things. I'm a perfect testimony this morning that says, God will use anybody. And all you got to be is available to him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I wasn't supposed to be speaking today, but this is a message that I was getting ready for the next time I spoke. I hope it has ministered to your heart, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've been reminded, simply been reminded today. It's not about you, and it's all about him. And you can reflect 
him, Jesus, to a lost and dying world. And your heavenly Father, the one that has given you new life, wants to do that through you. If that's the desire of your heart this morning, would you just go ahead and pray this simple prayer? Father, I'm thankful, so thankful today that you've forgiven me. And Father, I want to be used of you today and in the future more than I ever have been. And I understand that to do that, I have got to spend time with you. And I covet with you this morning to do that. And as I contemplate you, then I trust, Lord, that you will continue the transforming work that you began in my life at my salvation and use me. I avail myself to you today. And I trust you to use even me as you tarry. And I'm going to thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.